0: Welcome back everyone to the Conflab. I'm stoked that you're here with us today. We've got a very special set of episodes about to be released. We've been working hard behind the scenes to make sure we do this uh, with honour and the way that we want to release it. It's just one big podcast, but we're going to cut into three different episodes. So over the next three weeks, we're going to be hearing the story of Brooke Collis. She's a, an incredible journey woman who's actually gone through so many things in life, but the lessons that it teaches us. So this is a pre-warning. There is a lot of probably hardship, but lots of fun as well in this podcast. Um, It's very relative, even though it's an extreme story. There's bits and pieces in there to teach us all lessons. And I learned so much through this process, not only um, how to deal with some things in a way of resilience, but increase my resilience but how important love and the village is. So let's tune in now. I hope you guys enjoy this. Well, today is a very special day at the Conf Lab because we have a very, very special guest. And I know I might be a tart when it comes to saying that because I say that about everyone. However, um, you know, like people get all starry-eyed in the, in, the, in the presence of greatness. And you might be talking about, you know, Michael Jordan or someone like that, you know, someone who's Kelly Slater or, or you know a great, phenomenal achievement person or you know a king or whatever. Uh, but for me, I don't. Um, yeah, I, I acknowledge people's achievements and stuff like that. But I do get starry-eyed in the presence of this greatness because of who this amazing woman is and what where she is at so far on her journey. And Brooke. Uh, Collis, welcome to the Conflab.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah. We're going to get into this. This could take – well, this is just going to take as long as it is. We've got no time limit. We've booked the whole day out in the studio. Thanks again, Studio 6 at Burley, for looking after us and hooking us up. And um, uh, this story is when it first came to me through uh, a previous guest, Mandy Goodburn, we had, uh, the Wonderful Mans, the the Miracle Walking – she takes these miracles wherever she goes and um, and you listened to her episode and then rang her and said you needed to be on this podcast and listened to a few of mine and I'm, I'm in awe. And so I generally ask a question um, of of who, who is the person rather than what do you do, you know, like what do you do rather than who you are. And I generally ask, you all know that I generally ask that of nearly every guest, who are you? You know, what is your real being rather than your doing? Um, because that's been a part of my big journey. Um, but I'm not going to ask that of Brooke because over the next however many hours this takes, however many episodes we we cut out of this uh, next however long, she's just going to reveal to you all who she really is. So I don't feel to ask the question because there's going to be a lot of revelation, there's going to be a lot of inspiration, there's going to be a, a shitload of tears, so get a bucket and tissues ready. <laughs> um, and now I'm just talking about me, let alone my producer sitting on the other side of the room and I'm sure Brooke will probably uh, have a fair share as well. Brooke has uh, fought and battled cancer for the last nine years, and I have been through a part of processes with people who have done it and seen the toll, incredible toll on their mental health and their physical health and their families and their villages. But what I, I haven't often seen is strength grown. And when I met this beautiful woman, uh, that's all I could see is a stronger person than when you started this process. So well, I'm just going to open it up to you. What I, w- what I want to ask you, Brooke, first is where does this all start? And let's not talk about your cancer journey. Let's just start at the beginning and the fisherman's daughter.
1: <laughs> I am the fisherman's daughter. I, um, you know, I, I grew up in a family that I suppose – Um, I had two parents that are just, oh, to describe them. Wow. So my father is a fisherman. We grew up really with a mother who had to raise three kids because my father worked out at sea for nine months of the year. Um, if you know the fishing industry, catching prawns, you know, it is one of the hardest industries that you'll ever get to. Um... And we got raised in a, in a family where we got taught to be strong and to be brave, um, to, to grow up with integrity um, and to always be a good human. Like that, that was really our, like, and it showed, I suppose, in even the sports that our parents put us into, sports like surf life saving, which... Obviously I grew to be good at, but they put us in there because they wanted us to know if we were surfing and somebody needed to be rescued, that we were able to rescue them Um, or that we were able to help other people. Like that's what we sort of grew up in. Um, Yeah, it's – look, my mum has been a pillar of strength um, from the day I was born. We were actually like – She's like the matriarch of our family and she had to be because our dad was out at sea for a lot of the the time yeah, in our go, lives. they go
0: out for a long time, don't 100%. they? hundred like, um,
1: percent. And, you know, she had to go from a husband that was doing everything to support his family financially and emotionally but she was it. Like she was driving us to and from sport or getting us to school and raising us and the rest of it and then, you know, dad would pop home and – you know, for about three months, but he was like the fun dad where we were surfing and living life and going on holidays and doing the rest of it, and and yeah, mum, yeah, it's yeah, it's really. But I'll tell you the the. So the,
0: so, what does that get you? That the, the mum, what what's what's there with your mum and how much she means to you? What is that? Because later on, like, there's more stories about yeah.
1: your mum. Um look i i don't think without the the woman that my mum raised me to be um i i believe i got strength from my dad like it's a colossal thing to be strong you know i got strength from my dad but growing up to be a brave independent woman i got from my mum 100% i got that from my mum cuz i saw that in her Every day.
0: Obviously, you know, nine months a year she didn't have the support because her man's out there.
1: 100%. Making a
0: living for the family to have the best they can. And
1: and she has to. So she, you know, and, and I look back at it now as a mother and I always say to her, to her now, how did you do that? Mm. You know, mm. like how did you get us all to school and get us all to sport and on top of that mow the lawn? and cooked dinner, and we always had dinner on the table. And my mom, and it came from my pop, used to always say, "We may, we may not be kings, but we sure do live like kings." And it was just because we had food on the table, and um, you know, we we never miss out on anything. There's a real, there's
0: a real um, strong integrous family value vein in Fisher people, isn't there? Like families yep. of fisher people and, and that's run deep in your heritage where was it your your dad's dad?
1: Yep, my grandfather was a fisherman. My great-grandfather was a fisherman. Um, and they
0: had the rights for the prawning industry in North, Queens, North Queensland? Yeah. Yeah. So
1: they actually like my family surveyed. The Australian government went to my family and said, oh. look, can you help us survey the gulf for wow. prawns? Right. So um, they've surveyed all the bottom. They like worked out where the shipwrecks were or where ships have sunk. Um, you know, my my great-grandfather, oh, sorry, my grandfather, um, he went to Abu Dhabi and taught them how to actually prawn fish wow. with my father. Um, they had both gone to Indonesia and actually fished in Indonesia and the Indonesian government asked them to come over and said, how do we do this to make it sustainable, to, to actually get our people to provide prawns and and everything for our people. So, um, yeah, they travelled the world actually doing that, not in Australia So as they, well. They
0: may have even been to India. I remember I was in India in 2018, 2019, two, two different times. And um, I walk into this fish market and in Mumbai and I've never seen anything like it. Prawns everywhere. And they, they, they're just stacking prawns and buckets of prawns and boxes of prawns up and they put ice on them and stuff like that. It stunk. But it was like they'd never seen a, a white... European person ever before, especially with tattoos. They're all these old guys are coming up and touching me, and I'm like, someone's taught these guys how to catch prawns. So maybe they even went to India. Yeah,
1: it wouldn't surprise <laughs> me. They certainly <laughs> not far have from been, Abu Dhabi. So. Oh, they certainly have been everywhere. But I and I think what we got from that fishing industry was that look, it is by far the hardest job that you'll ever do. And I and I got to experience that once. Once my father passed away, and I, I needed to go on a search to find him, yep. I'd heard so many stories, and and I needed that search to figure out who he was, and I actually went fishing on a prawn trawler. Right?
0: Wow. Well, let's get, let's just rewind that a little bit. Your your dad died, um, but yes. let's let's um, let's just go back to, you know, where, yeah, like. Obviously, your dad meant a lot to you. He was yeah. he was the superhero. I was my dad's girl. He was a superhero, and yeah, yeah. yeah. Well,
1: I was probably out of the three of us the most excited for dad to come home. Oh, and so
0: you've got an old, an older brother? Yes, yeah, so I've got
1: an older brother, Clint, and a younger sister, Natalie.
0: Bit of a shout out to those guys. Yes,
1: love them. So,
0: Clinton, his wife, her name's also Brooke, Correct. and it's like a confusing of- br- thing. Brooke Collis, Brooke Collis.
1: Yeah. So I get Brooke's sister. And she gets Brooke wife.
0: Brooke wife. So oh,
1: yeah. Oh. So out of all the women in the world, my brother decided to marry Brooke, which yeah. makes it very easy for everybody, but very exp- ex um confusing, especially because we've got the same doctor, um the same hairdresser, the same dentist. So sometimes <laughs> you rock up to the doctor and say, "Look, we've got your pap smear results," and I'm like, "That's the other Brooke. Um, <laughs> yeah. You've got the wrong file." Yeah. But yeah. you know, it yeah. makes life interesting. Uh, so yeah. yeah it's good. So
0: that's good. You got, so older older brother and.
1: Yeah, and, and a
0: younger sister. Younger sister. Yeah. Right. And um, so your dad, he was a fisherman all his life. And now yep, he passed correct. away. How long ago was that?
1: I was 24, so I'm 43 now. So we had.
0: You don't look 43, do you? Oh, thanks. Yeah.
1: Considering the it's... journey I've been through, I'll take yeah. that as a compliment. Yeah,
0: you look younger than 43. <laughs> <laughs> um, I could have said you look older than. forty. I said you don't look 43. I could have said, oh no, you look 50. <laughs> oh,
1: <laughs> I know I No, look... but
0: you don't. I mean, I'm only. You
1: know. Um, we we had, by that stage, um, I was seventeen and decided that I was going to become a police officer. So this country girl from Ballina um, decided that she was going to be a police officer. so once she for, left school.
0: For everyone, Ballina is just below Queensland, like Queensland New South Wales estates and Ballina's on the northern part of New South Wales right on the coast. It's a full fishing town. Yeah, it is. And uh, not surprising that your your family's from that area as prawn fishermen.
1: Yes. Prawn so fish people. I I had done swimming and surf life saving, I suppose, professionally throughout my years 10, 11 and 12. I tried out for the Devondale Circuit. Um, I had won Australian titles yeah. in surf life saving you um,
0: rubbed shoulders with some of those girls?
1: Oh, Carla, the Carla Gilberts of the world who I'm actually really, our worlds have collided again um, oh. but for a good thing because we're both involved in Chug and Surf Life Saving. But, um, you know, I, I dedicated my sort of life to that, um, highly driven by my mum. Yeah. Um, my mum was the one that at 4.30 in the morning would wake me up and put me in the car and, and take me to swimming training. Most of the time I had a smile on my face. Most, you know, there were some days where she had to drag me, kicking and screaming. Um, but you know, I think she saw the spirit in me and the fact that I was really good at it and she and the drive and she needed to, I suppose, put all that energy that I had in me somewhere and that's where we devoted it. Um and I loved my that time. It it taught me so much. Um, it probably grew who I am today. Um, you know, I remember being 10 years old and and getting up at 4.30 in the morning and and going swimming training, wow. you know, like um, and it was every morning and every night as I grew up, you know, as a 15, 16-year-old, my friends were going to parties. I wasn't going. I was still going to bed at 8.30 mm. because I had a carnival the next day, which obviously creates a very healthy person because, there was no, you know. Some of my friends started drinking. Some of them were trying smoking. Some of them, and I was on this total, different path, dedicated to my sport and trying to get the best out of me that I could in that sport.
0: Wow! So needless, to, needless to know, I guess, needless to know, back then, the level of fortitude that that built in you for what was coming.
1: A hundred percent. It's it was like. Um, I don't think I would be alive today without having the childhood and the upbringing that I had, to be honest. It's a
0: really good, it's a really good example for people, um, that, you know, sometimes we are just going through stuff and, and like I said this the other day when we were at your place and we'll talk about that moment and we got, um, my daughter and I, Mia, we're at, um, Brooke and Crystal's house the other day when she was given her dose of chemo and it was a very uh, humbling moment, believe me, it's a very humbling moment to be asked to be in that space because it's quite intimate and uh, what she has to go through. But we're saying that, you know, the farmer needs the rain and the bride needs it to be fine and it's sort of a a thing for people to understand that you're going through life and you're building something but you may not know what you're building it for and it's just to stay focused and and keep going rather than give up and go well I'm I'm done you know I can't do this anymore there's something coming that we all all need to focus on for the future so doing the hard yards then was really important
1: yeah definitely so and you never
0: know you never knew well it's not raining it's not raining but the rain was coming so keep working correct yeah
1: and i was never ever the i i wasn't the most gifted person at that sport. I I I really wasn't. I
0: I just heard this recently. And I think it might have been Kobe Bryant who said it. Um and maybe talking about Jordan, uh, Michael Jordan, and he said talent is not as important as dedication. Yeah. Uh, diff-
1: and, and that's what I did. Like I but I trained so hard that yeah. I knew I wasn't um, the most gifted in the fact of say, build and size and just naturally you're born with this amazing ability. But what I lacked in that area, I trained my guts out. So every race I could, I stood on that line and looked at everyone and knew that I trained harder than them.
0: (laughs) That's great. That's so good to hear.
1: So you can have all the natural ability in the world, but I trained harder than you, so I'm going to beat you. And it was Drill, like I remember going to swimming with Mum at four thirty in the morning, and Mum would always say that to me: "Going, make sure you train hard, give it a hundred and ten percent, because otherwise there's there's no point. Don't waste a session, don't mm. waste an opportunity. Because then when we got to state titles and Australian titles, we've done the work. Like yeah. you've done it. Like yeah. everything's there.
0: Never let ne- never lean on your gifts. So. Yeah,
1: that's right. And that has put. Me, that has been my motto really for my whole entire life. Yeah. And don't, and probably my greatest gift, I suppose, that I was born with is such a competitive drive. Yeah. I absolutely hate losing. I hate it. Like, if we were to play back to right now and you beat me, probably like I'd be a bit filthy yeah, and need t- five yeah. minutes to recover.
0: <laughs> yeah. Toss the, toss the toys out of the cage. Yeah, man. that's exactly <laughs> right. So,
1: um, but. Maybe I was born with that for the purpose of, of yeah. what my life, the journey that my life was going to take me on.
0: Yeah. And who knows? Like that's the thing is like if you've got that dedication as a as a number one value in your life, you know, use it because you don't know what sort of example you're going to be down the line and how you're going to act to stuff. So um, you will st- – st- I could just see you standing on that, the starting line with all these other incredible athletes and you're just looking down the line going, oh, I've got the heart of a fucking fisherman. You ain't you ain't winning today. A hundred percent. You're not beating me, no. A
1: hundred percent. A hundred percent.
0: So you, your dad, uh, obviously, is your superhero. but yeah. I think sounds like your mum was as well.
1: Oh, yeah. She's the rock. The rock, yeah.
0: And um, But he got sick when you yeah. – so you – you you came became copper.
1: Yeah, I became a police officer. It was really weird. Were I, you married?
0: No, I was seventeen.
1: Yeah, I was seventeen, um, and I was really undecisive. I knew that um, at that time that I had given my all to a sport and that I wanted a career, um, and I wanted something where I wanted to help people. I wanted something that was outdoors. Um, my brother at the time had a girlfriend that she was joining the police service and she told me about it and went, that is right up my alley. I would love to do that. Um, so the next minute I knew I applied to the New South Wales police service, um, then I I was in Goulburn, but I'll tell you, that was the one moment where my father was, um, probably the most disappointed in me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, no. I, can just, I'll I can imagine
0: you, that as a fisherman like That's
1: right And and I he was out at sea And, and you have to call him on like what this it, It's called a sat phone So pretty much you've got this lady that's got to connect you And at the end of a conversation You've got to say like over And then he gets to talk And then he says over And then you get to talk like it's really old school Um and we called him up and said exactly what I was doing and that I was getting accepted. And he just said, put your mother on the phone. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, and then he goes, put your mother on the phone. And then mum spoke to him for a while and I could sort of hear them, you know, arguing about it. And then he didn't speak to me for like three weeks. Whoa. Which was massive for me because dad always called up every single Sunday. And then eventually it came around. I just, uh, and I picked up the phone this Sunday and I said, just, Like, tell me what's going on. And he just said, I've spent my whole life trying to protect you and if you go into this job, I can't protect you. Wow. So can you please pick any other career? Like, any other career, and it was nothing against being a police officer, but he, I can't protect you if you do that. So I was just like, oh, Dad, you know, like, I'll be fine and just let me do it. and, And it didn't sway me. He knew I was like done, but he just said, look, like um, I love you with all my heart and if you're going to do this, do this, but please try and do it safely. Mm. Like, and, you know, you're so stubborn. (laughs) You've made up your mind. So I suppose I have to support that. And then this next thing he said to me: "You're never ever allowed to look up my record."
0: And I said, "Deal." So lucky, lucky said the first, lucky you said the first thing first, because it was all about his record. Did yeah. we know what that meant.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. So um, <laughs> look, and so and.
0: Well, what a beautiful thing! Like, honestly, I you know I've got four kids of my own. I understand you're wanting to protect them. I'm probably a little bit more. My wife's so much like that. She's like. Put cotton wool around our kids, even at the age they are now. And, um, but I'm more like, you know, kick them out of the nest and let them fly, see what they see where they crash, you know. And, and, um, so, but I would have probably been the same, you know, I can't protect you as a police officer, but you can protect me. So, <laughs> yeah, so you, right? you can wipe my record. No, yeah. not that I've got one, I'm not saying anymore. <laughs> oh, wow. So, what's it like being a cop?
1: Look, I I was this country girl, and I got put at City Central, which is a Category One station. So C- that City was, Central in Sydney, yeah. So that was so you. The Rocks, you, did, you did your Red training fan, at Goulburn. Kings Cross. Wow! Yeah, this country girl. Uh, Let's put her straight into the heart of the city. I,
0: I'm just watching this show on I don't know what it's on. Paramount, I think it is. It's um all about the Ibrahim's. Yeah, from Kings Cross. Yeah.
1: And I I came. So you would have
0: seen some of that then. Correct. Ugh.
1: You know, and I came just after the time that we they'd just gone through the Wood Royal Commission. So okay. um, it was this fine line between the old school police officers that probably would use the phone book. Sort of those days were were leaving and and getting pushed out to this new. We were the first people to get put through the uni course. Uh. Um, we actually got a diploma in place in practice. So we were like those, those guinea pigs of, okay, let's get this new school in. And, and it was all about integrity and, and, you know, probably being watched a lot more, Mm. um, and trying to get that old school mentality of, and, and let's face it, there was corruption back in the day. Um, and they were trying to get rid of all those corrupt police officers and have a changing of the guard. Yeah. Um, and I was involved in that. So and then, so I graduated in 1999, and 2000 I got to do the Sydney Olympics. So as a police officer, which was absolutely amazing. Well, you
0: could drop that last bit and use that first bit as a tagline. I got to do the Sydney Olympics. Olympics like, that's exactly as a cop. And then just stop. Yeah. <laughs> so
1: um, and look, I to I absolutely love being a police officer. Well, I was a police officer for you know. nearly six years. Okay. Um, But I loved policing for a different aspect. So I was the police officer that got more joy out of, do you know my, if I look back at my policing career, my one highlight, right, now I've caught people that have committed murder and rape. Um, I've got, I've caught people who have done the lowest of lowest, like pedophiles, um, absolutely everything. Right? So but the one job that like I absolutely love is that the middle of George Street one day we were walking around and I could see this old lady and she was 80 and she had a walking frame and she had stuck at this set of traffic lights in the middle of George Street for eight minutes trying to and I could tell she was trying to count to see if she could actually make it across George Street by the time the walking man went green, right? She had hesitated a couple of times and then got back. And so I was like, stuff this. This is like I'm, I'm going paint. to go out and stop all every single bit of traffic. So I said to my partner, and it was one of the major T yeah, intersections, yeah. Oh, no. walked straight out, stopped every single lane of traffic, and he was just, he was a probationary, and I said, stop it until I get this old lady across the road. He stopped every single lane of traffic, wow. traffic right? And I said to her. I'm going to walk you across that road and you're going to take your time. I don't care if it takes us 10 minutes. If it takes us 15 minutes, everybody's going to wait till we get you across this road. And then she looked at me and said, oh, you don't have to do that. I said, come on, let's go. I said, look, we've already stopped it for you. Sure enough, so we get her across the road. And as we're walking across the road, I'm just like, it's all right, take your time. And and she started to get a bit teary and we got her to the other side of the road and she just said, that's the best thing anyone has ever done for me. Like, oh. a police officer just walked me across the road. Thank you so much. And she's hugging me and, and she's got, like, she's crying and she's telling me how she's going to say, like, to, tell her grandchildren the story. And I just said that, like, that is the greatest thing that I ever did as a police officer was get that lady across the road. Wow. Well, Over everything that so, I did.
0: So obviously, um, even though you had the power, the random act of kindness was more important and you could use the power that you had as a police officer to be able to exercise that correctly. Yeah, well done. Right. That's so That's so good. Well done. So, I love that. Yeah. So catching murderers and pedophiles and people who are the lowest of the lowest as a job um, meant way less to you as getting those sort of people in the right place as doing what we would expect some police people to do is making people safe. Yeah, and uh, well, well done. So you were a police officer for six years. Yep. Why? Why did that stop?
1: Um, when I was twenty-four, I got a phone call from my mum and said, "Your father's sick. He was in the middle of the ocean, and he's currently getting helicoptered off the boat. Oh, and they're going to fly him um, back to Brisbane. He's really sick." And you need to come home. Okay. So I raced home. We all drove up to Brisbane to pick up dad from the airport, went to Brisbane Hospital and pretty much got told that he's um, had liver cancer. He's got six weeks to live. Um, It's too far gone. He had originally had a melanoma um, and my dad was known for this, when he was out in the surf and stuff, but he had originally had a melanoma in his early twenties that was here on his shoulder, and that actually gave him a death sentence. Then we were actually all of us were never ever meant to even be born.
0: Oh wow!
1: Um, and they back then, cancer treatment was really they just I think didn't know I'm what gonna, to
0: do. I'm pause that. I, I think you could change it. Meant to be born. I definitely think you were meant to be A uh,
1: hundred, yes. Yeah. So if,
0: uh, it was a miracle. Yeah, it, was, it was a miracle. miracle. Yeah. You know,
1: it really was. So they cut out his whole entire shoulder. So he had a massive scar here and through his back and they just pretty much removed absolutely everything out of his shoulder for a melanoma. Um, and that melanoma had returned in his liver. Uh. There was nothing that they could do for him. Um, and... He he'd just been home, so he'd been home. We'd been out surfing. He dropped a bit of weight. He was a bit more tired than usual, but we just thought it's the age and the industry and everything catching up with him.
0: How old was he there? Oh, he you was. Tw- you were twenty-four.
1: Yeah, he was like young. He it was it was just before his fiftieth birthday, so he was really young. So, um. Yeah, so within six weeks, um, we all banded together. My sister was still living at home with my mum. My my brother was still in Sydney with with me. Um, we all moved back home, uh, and we did that six weeks collectively as a village. My father said to us straight away, "I'm not going to hospital. I I want to die at home," wow. um, and that was his only wish. So. Um, We did all the palliative care and the rest of it in home. He's got an amazing sister called Helen who we were lucky enough that she was a nurse. She moved in with us and taught us how, um, you know, to give him medication and to give him steroids and to give him pain relief. Um, I was probably out of the three of us the one that chose to do that. Um, I don't know why I was selected. I don't know why I put my hand up for it but – Oh, I was just the person that was happy to do that for Dad. Um, and sure enough, six weeks later, um, he passed away. Mm-hmm. So in the comfort of his own bed in our own house um, with all of us there, two nights before he'd passed away, he he knew he was going and, and just we all had a moment with him and he called us all in um, and he just, he's pretty much last words to me, was that I just want you to have no regrets. Like that is just make sure you live your life with no regrets. Uh, If you feel like you are regretting something, change it. Change it. So um, and he just believed he was so lucky. Yeah. You know, he was so lucky to have lived the life that he had lived Uh, and he was a very proud man. He didn't, by the time we got to that stage, mum had just started to shower him and, and, wipe um, him after going to the toilet and he started to lose his dignity and that's where it was his choice. And um, so we were able to administer the morphine um, and he passed away within 24 hours after all of us having that conversation.
0: So six weeks uh, is a very short space of time for you to prep yourself. Yeah. Oh, and obviously your dad was your superhero yep. your mum was your rock and and how were you 24 that's a trauma that is a big trauma
1: yeah it it was i feel like um during it we just tried to be as brave as him yeah um and i don't i i suppose that's where the police training probably came in handy for me um i was able the police don't train you to be a robot but you can become very okay this is my job this is what it requires of me and and i'm going to do that yeah. so and that's what we just mate did with dad that every was, day we just if we got to north to walk north wall and those of you who live at ballina north wall is just that was his spot
0: yeah yeah. You know,
1: we yeah. used to – It's
0: a beautiful place. Yeah,
1: it's a beautiful place. We used to surf North Wall. We used to paddle across the bar and surf South Wall. We were only allowed to do it when Dad was home. Um, yeah,
0: I, I, that's a that's a game thing to do because of all those trawlers coming in there. Yeah, that's
1: what we are only all allowed to do when Dad was home. The sharks coming through
0: that mouth there.
1: And, and it was funny, you know, because when we, we grew up and, and the Fannings lived across the road from us. So oh. Mick Fanning, Sean Fanning and the older brothers. So we used to do it in this pack. Yeah. Um, and I used to feel so guilty when I used to do it. But when you've got like – like Sean Fanning was like this amazing human where he would like come over and go, come on, we're going surfing, let's go. Back then surfing wasn't very popular with females so it was really cool. They really um, included me to go, come on, let's go when you're coming. And um, a lot of the girls back then were sitting on the beach mm-hmm. and I was like, what the hell are you sitting on the <laughs> beach for? The waves are like pumping out here, like – um, And, yeah, I remember, like, and and Sean and Mick because they were sponsored. I used to, my dad used to, like, buy their boards from them, like their leftovers and that's what I was surfing. So, yeah, we just grew up in this amazing environment. And we used to, every night we used to have dinner and walk up to the wall and that was our family wall. And that's where we actually ended up up doing Dad's Ashes. But, um, yeah, it was definitely a traumatic time, but it was a time that, I suppose we had the biggest, biggest blessing from it because it totally changed the trajectory of not only my brothers, probably my brothers in my my life more than my sisters because my sister was still in high school. Um, but it ended up my brother was a stockbroker in Sydney working for Comsec and he ended up quitting that job through really what we had experienced going through dad to live at home and pursue his passion um, and I did the same. I was like, I, I don't want to. Mum wasn't at that stage going out of the house, we were doing all the shopping. I was driving my sister to school. Um, my mum was going through a really, really hard time.
0: Yeah,
1: um, I didn't want to leave her in that time. And pretty much the police over said, Look, you need to come back to work. By that stage, I was really, I had some stripes on my shoulder, and I was usually as an officer and the rest of it. and I just said, I, I can't leave my mum. Um, and so I pretty much took leave without pay to, to help my mum. And then the fishing industry said, look, we're going to have a big memorial at the start of the season for your father. Um, we're going to unveil like they've got a plaque for him in Karumba. Yeah. Will you come up at the start of the season and we want you to start the, the prawn season off wow. for us, what your family. Honor. What an honour. So we all travelled to Karumba together um, and we unveiled this park and, and in front of all these fishermen and then we were meant to go out with all the fishing boats and pretty much start the season. And, um, yeah, we were able to to do that And and in the fishing season they have what's called spotter planes. So these planes go up and they fly over yeah. and prawns come up and they look like mud boils, right? So that's what the plane's going to be spotting. And they chucked dad's work boots into the first mud boil that they found and we got to start the season and it was a moment in time for me where I said to Mum, I I wanna stay. I wanna yeah, okay. stay. And
0: That's where and, you quit the police force.
1: Yeah. And I and I was sitting in the middle of the Gulf of the Carpenteria and I started off as a cook. I started off on a mackerel boat.
0: So your dad's what, what was your dad's name anyway?
1: Viv. Viv. But everyone called him Surfie.
0: Surfie. Yeah. So Viv, uh, shout out to you, Viv, wherever you are.
1: Oh, he'd be so looking over us right now.
0: Um. So you left the police force. Yeah. And then you said to me earlier um, at some stage that you really needed to find your dad. Yeah, I
1: needed so to you, find dad.
0: So you knew your dad, he, you surfed with him when he came home, he was your superhero. Yeah. But there was a part of your dad that you didn't have and you needed to find that. And can you explain what was missing that made you go on this next journey?
1: I think for your whole entire life when you have a father that has to go away to work, you don't quite understand why he's choosing work over you.
0: Do you think that's relatable also to fathers that maybe work so much? They're they're in your presence but they're not present.
1: Correct, because I always thought – I looked at my friends growing up and I actually thought that I got to have my dad more than what they did. Right. So they would have dads that, yeah, they would come home every night at 5.30 and they would have dinner and sit on the lounge with them. But when my dad was home, my dad was so present, like every morning we were up going surfing. He would cook us this massive big breakfast every morning. He would drive us to school. He would pick us up from school. He would take us surfing or take us to training. Every single minute was spent with us.
0: When he was home.
1: When he was home. Yeah. So every single Saturday, if he was going to the races, we were going to the races. the races are awesome. He would give you, you know, your $5. <laughs> and I worked out very quickly that if you put a $1 dollar on a hundred to one horse, then <laughs> you're going to get a hundred bucks back. So,
0: How many times did it actually come off?
1: Oh, honestly, do you know like oh, the best one was like um, Boxing Day Races at Ballina. If you ever get the chance to go, it's like so amazing. Big event, yeah. And I beat my dad twice on this one day on both 100 to 1 winners and both in a photo finish. (laughs) And so he's like half so angry because he's obviously had a lot more money on his horse. He's so angry that like, but he's so happy for me because I'm like so excited going, you know, and you know, not that I, um, not that you should gamble when you're a young person. However, like that, that was our time with him, you it know. Included, so yeah. I was like, yes, I've got hundred dollars. <laughs> like, this is so easy. Like, why aren't you all just putting a $1 dollar on a hundred to one? Like, why are you like, why are you not just getting the greatest odds? So, um, yeah, we just. He was so present. So I I actually think like I have my dad more.
0: Yeah, right. There's something it there was something missing. So you went on this next journey. Yeah,
1: so I just but I just couldn't keep so
0: you've quit quit the police force. Yeah,
1: I yeah. couldn't keep understanding as a little person why he kept leaving me, why he right. didn't want to be there for every race, right. why he didn't want to. Oh,
0: so you wanted to see the whole of this.
1: Yeah, that's the, right. The, the like I ju- And I needed to understand that and wow. to find out why he wanted to keep leaving us. And, okay. and it was probably a bit selfish. Um, so I said to mum. How is that selfish? Probably selfish in the fact that, like, I, I I gave him a lot of grief. Like, before he'd left, I would be the one crying, going, don't leave. Like why Why do you want to leave us? Like I'm your daughter. We've just had the best time. Like he would explain for you to do this, I need to go to sea. For you to do this, I need to go to sea. To put food on the table, I need to go to sea. But you never really understand. So
0: Perspective, huh?
1: Correct. And then I was like, well, why don't you just drive the trawlers that we see every night, go up Ballina Bar, and then he would be like, but my trawler's bigger and I need to catch more prawns and they don't make as much money as me. And But I was like, yeah, but you can just catch prawns out the front. Just go out the front and do it because then you get to come home every night. Mm. Then I get to see you. Um, and
0: So not selfish.
1: Yeah, probably not selfish but I just never got it and I needed to get to, it yeah. because okay. probably in his death I was probably a bit resentful of the time that I missed out with him. Right. Even,
0: so though, th- even though your friends – you would see your friends and their dad goes to their job, comes home, sits on the lounge with his beer or cup of tea yeah. or whatever he has and then still ignores his kids and your dad would go away for nine months, come back for three and you just get absolute every minute of it. Yeah. So even then there was still.
1: But I wanted that 24-7. Yeah. Three hundred and.
0: So you, you've gone even. on this next journey Yeah,
1: so I went understand. out there and I started – you know, I started on a mackerel boat first and then I and I got into prawn fishing and I started off as a cook. And I looked at all these boys outside and I was like, I don't wanna cook. I wanna be a deckie. Like, um, I wanna do all the that's things that's a true
0: competitive spirit. I right? wanna do
1: all the things the boys are doing. Why am I doing this? I know like, someone I else I know
0: somebody else like that is sitting in this room. She's exactly like that. I don't
1: wanna uh, do that. Yeah, I, I, do... I hate cooking. Yeah, oh, I can't cook. I yeah. Like why is this the only female position on the boat? So uh, I said. You know,
0: she's got a mic. She can speak up in this <laughs> podcast too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, I, yeah, I pretty much said to the skipper, look, I want to be a deckie. Yeah. And sort of you have to be a cook and a decky anyway, but next season I'm going to be a deckie. So I said, look, you're a collis. I'll give you a, sh- I'll give you a shot. But how, how often does that happen? You have to do, do everything yeah. the boys do, and if the boys help you at all, then you
0: ah. It's gone. He wasn't making it easy. No.
1: Nah, he was just like, if you can do everything the boys can do, you don't have to do it better, <laughs> but if they help you. He didn't
0: need to say that. He did. Yeah, you did they, it better, didn't you? Yeah.
1: If they help you, you're, you're, <laughs> back, in you're back in the
0: kitchen. You're back
1: in the kitchen. Rightio. I'll take that. So, yeah, I just, everything I did, I yeah. just did it better. You pulled in the tri gear I, and I was fit and I was strong and, uh. And you you were standing
0: on that starting line, looking down, going, "Yeah, you haven't trained like I have."
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. So, and that's what I did, and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Like I loved, I love being out at sea, and I love the hard work. You can be up for three days straight Mm. with about two hours worth of sleep. Um, But there's no television. There's no sound. There's no noise. It's just you versus the ocean and your spirit. And the stars. So and that's, I, that's all and between I the top of to Australia to and dad. New Guinea,
0: isn't it? That's that's where we're talking about. Yeah, so and it's all right.
1: the way pretty much from the point of Australia to all the way over to Darwin. So the Gulf is the, yeah. the middle bit. So.
0: And so you, you just said when I was talking, sorry to talk over you, but I wanted to make a geographical point there for people. Um, yeah. But that's where you got to see your dad.
1: That's where I got to see my dad. And I got to hear the stories, good and bad. Um,
0: the bad ones are as good as the good ones. So. Yeah,
1: but it was so funny that he he was such a legend out there and he still is to this day and we knew nothing of the legend. Okay. He never spoke about the legend at home. He never spoke about that he had, um, you know, we, we spoke to villages that he used to pull into, to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders, that he used to just offload prawns and scallops and and fish and everything um just to help that community out yeah. you know like he would he would find the biggest patches of prawns and just put everybody on to them he would there was there were and he never spoke about that at home he mm. never spoke like oh i just did this and i did that and i caught so many tons of prawns or you know he never spoke of work ever mm. so um so it was so we were just like, what? He did this, he did that. Wow. Like he was always a legend in my eyes, but not for those reasons. So I I, I the collis name up there I wanted to live up to. Okay. And and I just look, yes. I was out of the three of us kids, I've always been the one with I'm the collis. Um and I yeah, I loved it. I did, and I didn't come home for like three years. Oh, really? Yeah, I just I would have time off and come home, um, but I I just absolutely yeah. loved it. Wow, what loved a,
0: it. What an amazing transition. you were a copper. Yeah, police officer. Um, I find that word hard to say, but I don't know why. Maybe that's why my, <laughs> my, my rebellious attitude. You're a police officer, and you went straight to being a fisher. Fisher person yeah. in the and It's rough. They're like they're rough guys. Yeah. They're rough. It's a rough trade.
1: Oh, it is.
0: The tough and rough people yeah. do, do that. And it is. Some of the stories and the antics. I imagine it'd be a whole other podcast. That yeah. one. Just and
1: you've got to be fair and you've got to be strong. And um, you know, there's there's nowhere to hide out there. Mm. Um, if you're sick, you still got to get on the deck and sort prawns and yeah. get them in boxes because there's no one there to replace you yeah. so um yeah so I worked my way up to the mate to the first mate ah. um which was really good and I just kept continuing on and then found my um ex-husband and fell pregnant and got my just deserves because all the years of fishing where I used to say to all the deckies you can go and spew but spew off over the side and get back to sorting prawns like hurry up, just, yeah. you know, there was no time. To so you were pregnant on deck? I was pregnant on deck and I'd never been seasick in my life oh. and I was so seasick and I was like all that grief that I gave to all those deckies, <laughs> not one bit of empathy, I've just got it tenfold. Um, you got it all back. Yeah, got it all back in that one. But, yeah, and then that obviously you can't be pregnant out at sea. No. So um, came you got, in. You got and, married? Yeah, got married, had maxi. Yeah. Oh. Um, and but Ben, who is my ex-husband, we worked so well together as a team, a team on the boat, and I, I loved him with all my heart. But getting off the boat and sort of our lives, we sort we just grew apart. Yeah, really. Okay. So, um, so you
0: couldn't do the nine months, three months. No, of-
1: I couldn't, and I take my hat off to mum. But yeah. yeah, we just sort of. I it gives you perspective a perspective
0: around it, your mum, wouldn't it? It really show you what your mum herself through. Oh 100 percent Fortitude she had. Yeah, definitely. Resilience.
1: Definitely, definitely.
0: So yeah, so you and Ben are no no longer together. Well you know no. how long did that last?
1: Um we were together for four years. Yeah. So four and a half years.
0: Yeah. And you co parent now?
1: Yes, we co parent. Yeah. We've got a look, I've got an amazing relationship. Ben's still been actually leaves for sea tomorrow to start the banana prawn season. Oh well, he still, so, still is a fisherman, and
0: he's in the Cape. Or? So now
1: I've got like now, which is amazing for me because Max, our son, is is just about to turn fourteen, oh. and over the next twenty four hours, I'll go through that very emotional roller coaster with Max. But I know what that feels like. You, yeah,
0: you know exactly.
1: Um, and I'm able to help that. And you
0: see probably group. both sides of it too. You know what. Max's dad will be to him when he's not there. Correct. So, yeah, what Correct. a journey, what a and journey. And
1: I know Max will be doing exactly the same thing as me and need to go and chase his, his dad and, yeah. and try and catch up on the time he's missed out on So what he's was it? talking what,
0: about us go. let's go back a little bit. What, what was it like to find your dad in that other place? Like you, you said you, you, there was parts of, and obviously for your brother, Clint, and your sister, I'm sorry, your sister's name. Natalie. Natalie. They didn't need to do what you've done.
1: Um, my dad, my brother was lucky enough to had spend time with my dad in school holidays. He was allowed to go up. We were too young. Right. My, but my brother was allowed to go up every school holidays and spend time with my dad out at sea. So he'd probably experienced that. He gets shockingly seasick. Um, I don't know whether that's something that they felt like they missed or whether they even had that moment. But whether they needed to find that
0: and you but you did but I did and what and so what did you find
1: ah oh, i found the legend
0: yeah, well, you, the yeah absolute, And you spoke about that look, was that what you were looking for like the legend or what what, what were you actually thinking I you were going to find
1: i think i found him i don't i think i felt i that i lost him and sitting up on the top of the deck of the boat Under the most brightest sky. You'll never get a sky like you get out at sea. Yeah. And the stars are so, so bright that I was able to find a place where I felt him with me again. And I probably hadn't experienced that since he'd passed. Everybody says to you once you lose a partner or you lose your parents or whatever they go, they'll always be with you. Like they'll always be with you in spirit or whatever. But I hadn't felt that. Like I didn't feel like he was with me. Yeah. Like standing next to me or I, I hadn't, but when I went out to see, he was there. Like I physically felt him standing next to me or giving me curry or telling me to go harder or get up or just chatting to him yeah. over the night time, looking up at the stars, was the closest. I Like I found him. He was there right near me. Oh,
0: beautiful. So that's what. You were looking for. That's it. Yeah. So can I just like add a few layers to this? I'm just I'm asking this, but I actually want to paint a little scenario. So every nine, every three months, you get to spend the best time with your dad when you were a kid. Yeah. Amazing time, surfed. Put dollar on the hundred dollar.
1: Yeah.
0: At the races every Saturday down in Ballina. Don't know uh, if well i well underage. So yeah, obviously. Well underage. That's right. Um. Yeah. We won't. Transfer ah. that into the police mm. records. Mm. Um, you had the best time but then you lost your dad at the end of that three months every year. Yeah. My every dad's end. my dad's gone and I've lost my dad. Yeah. And so that journey of sitting on the deck of the boat or the roof of the cabin or whatever out at sea and going, well, this is what I lost him to but this is where I found him again. Yeah. 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 I had him back. And is this still with you?
1: Um, He goes and he comes back. He uh, –
0: So how long now? It's 24, uh, you're 43, so it's like 19. I'll tell
1: you, he's probably throughout my cancer journey. Um, he, yeah, he's with me. He's with me a lot lately. So he died
0: 19 years ago. Yeah. And, but he's with it's you. It's 20-year anniversary yeah. this year. Yeah, wow. Well, you're going to do something special.
1: We are because he died just before Christmas. So our family decided that we didn't want to celebrate Christmas. So we bundled up mum, who still wasn't getting out of the house at that stage, and my brother, sister, and my mum and I, and we used to go to Bali for a month. Right. So we'd put ourselves in Bali for a four weeks where Christmas is only celebrated on one day. We didn't want to pretend to be this happy family because Christmas to us was always dad coming home. Yeah. Dad had always come home at that first week, first couple of weeks of December. Yeah. And that's. With the best the, for the seafood yeah. for
0: the Christmas. Oh, yeah.
1: the best. Lovely. But December was always about dad coming home. So we needed to take ourselves away from home and away from that environment and away from that sort of constant memory and create new memories. Not that we ever wanted to forget it, but we just needed a different environment. So that's what we do. We'd take Mum to Bali and we'd sit there and the four of us um, and we would just celebrate everything that's dad and everything that we're doing and just be together. Yeah. And be us. And but, drag mum
0: everywhere. So you're gonna do that again this year?
1: We are. So we are indeed. And we are
0: uh, indeed. Well, I'm guessing that Maxie will be looking forward to that. Yes. Max yes, is now, Max is now 14. Yes. So we were at like you've had Max, um, yep. you and Ben then separated. Yep. How old was Max when you did that?
1: Uh two. Two. Yeah.
0: Uh, so that's um but he's known his mum and dad and how they are.
1: Yeah, we always we always made it um we Always made it very. We always tried to stay together for Max. So, um, we when Ben's home, it's always been it's a week on, week off. If Ben, so Ben's the fun dad. So Max has got the best life because with me, it's routine, structure, school, um, sport, training, surfing, all that stuff. And then Dad comes home, and Dad's bush, building cars, riding motorbikes, um going up the Cape, going on four-wheel drive adventures, all the stuff that I, I can't do and can't give him. And I don't want to give him because that's a very, very special place for Ben. Yeah. Um, he gets from Ben and then all the rest of the stuff I I do and I organise. So he leads two very total separate lives. Um, they're very different households uh, but we respect each other's household and what each what he gets out of it yeah. um, and he's happy – He's happy, and that's and that's he's beautiful. loved, and he feels so loved at both places, and he's excited to come home, and he's excited to go to dad's home, and and that's all you can ask for. Yeah,
0: that's beautiful. It's a really good, and um, I really honor the way you guys are co-parenting, um, because there's a lot of strain on marriages when they actually dissolve, and and for one reason or other, for whatever yeah. reason, they they come apart. Generally, the kids are the the worthy cost, well, not really the worthy cost, but the cost. And um, I haven't heard it said too much of how much excited to go to each. Yeah, and the love that's there. So and so, good on you for co-parenting, and good on you, Ben, for co-parenting. Yeah,
1: hundred percent. That way,
0: um, that's really cool. The so, what did you do then? Like, you and Ben are broken up. Yep. You've got little Maxie. Yep. Two years old, yep. and then obviously you didn't have a job because no,
1: didn't have a job.
0: Ben was the the fisherman. Yep, and
1: and I. What's Brooke's next step? So Brooke's next step was let's go do a security course. Cool. Okay. Go work at Gold Coast Airport, um, part time. I can work there and parent and sort of fit in with the hours to help Max. Um, and at that time, in pops into my life Crystal. Um, it, it
0: work or what? How did
1: going it? to the gym and getting fit, right? Um, I was actually contemplating going to the Queensland Police Service. Um, so I was trying to get fit, and and because you've got to, you know, climb mountains to get in, actually physically. Well, wow. um, and. There is a girl there that is teaching Zumba and she's a personal trainer and she's a nutritionist and I was really underweight. So I actually went to Crystal and and said, um, you know, underweight, can you help me? Um, And then that friendship grew um, and I fell in love with a person that just absolutely – is a love beyond limits. Well, like it's just. She's radiant oh, I too. Got isn't so so, yeah.
0: so, oh, I'm so lucky. Yeah. I'm lucky to have met her. She's radiant. Uh, yeah. She is. This. So then you've gone from a heterosexual marriage to a homosexual yeah. marriage. And how does that all, how did that all feel and how well it worked? Um,
1: it was really, it was, I suppose it was difficult at the start. I just fell in love with the person. Mm-hmm. Like it's sex, The whether male, female, whatever. It just, I just fell in love with her, her vibe, her spirit, her massive heart. We had very similar like directions in life of like, um, you know, our attitudes towards life. She she loved smiling. She loved going to the beach. She loved being adventurous. And and all of a sudden that grew. And then all of a sudden I've got feelings for a female um, that I, I hadn't had before. Um and that I was just like okay well I I just want to be true to myself and see how that grows, um and so that came out to her and we, then we started a relationship. She said oh, I feel the same way. She hadn't been in a female relationship either. Wow. Um and yeah and that grew and then we came out to my mom and and my family and um you know there was time there was an adjustment time and um to come. Towards that, like you're going through a divorce yes. now. Not only are you going through a divorce, but you're in a
0: rebounding into a homosexual relationship. In a yeah. homosexual
1: relationship, and yeah. suddenly you're saying that you've got all these feelings for a female. Like it, it just must be. A face. So
0: I'm not going to say homosexual. I actually, should, I should take that word out of it and say just same sex. It's just yeah, yeah. that's what it, that's yep. what it is. So. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, and I just <laughs> said to my family, look, like I just don't see her as. I'm having a relationship with a female. I just I'm in love with Crystal. Yeah, like and that's so that's beautiful. And then they, Crystal. I I suppose where there was a time of adjustment and the rest of it.
0: Yeah, you can explain. What do you when you mean adjustment?
1: When wow, it was probably a lot for my family to take in. Yeah. Um But
0: but you so your family when yeah. you're talking family. So my
1: sister. All right. So my sister was amazing. My sister. Uh, is is nearly Natalie. seven years younger than me. She's that's probably Na- in that's that. That's Natalie. That's yeah. Natalie. She's probably in the era of, um, you know, that's very normal and All whatever. Mm. So my sister was like, oh, I don't care, dude. Yeah. I've like, yeah, I've, oh, I already know. Like, but, I just, you know, don't think that you've been true to yourself. Yeah. And I'm just happy that I'm happy if you're happy, right? Yeah. My brother was very much the same. If you're happy, I'm happy, like, you know, I love you, whatever, um, super supportive. My mum took a bit of adjusting to it because she just thought I was probably not spiralling out of control but was like, okay, this is just because you're going through a divorce and this is all happening and why are you loading all this stuff onto yourself? Um,
0: probably a bit of thought like dad died, husband, yeah. divorce, Yeah. looking for you know, an anchor.
1: Yeah, and she was worried and okay. she was concerned, not that I was gay, um, or that I had a female. Just, you know, probably worried about my mental health.
0: Okay.
1: Um, which I was so happy, but she just probably had to. I probably had to prove that to her that this wasn't just a. I'm just going to kiss a girl and, don't worry, I'll be back to dating guys in a couple of months. But, um. Yeah, I just, oh yeah, it was. She was Crystal's phenomenal. Like, yeah. I, and I just knew that, like, she was just going to be forever. Probably but the hardest person to tell was my sister-in-law, okay. which is the other Brooke. Um, probably because she's religious. Yeah. Um, and, how, and how did she go? Um, she took some time. Yeah. She took some time.
0: Does you and Brooke have a Brooke and Brooke? Yeah, Brooke and Brooke. Uh, have a too. very good relationship, didn't you?
1: Oh, she's like I'm so lucky to have her as a sister-in-law. And we all we actually call her sister-in-law, but she is um she's just a phenomenal person. She's a phenomenal human the way you and, and the best thing about Brooke that has always been there is that Brooke's honesty. Brooke will tell you how it is yeah. to your face. And sometimes, so she was
0: she was going to take her time with
1: this. Yeah, she and she needed to adapt because that's and she said to me that's not what I believe in and that's not what I've grown to believe in and and she goes to church regularly and, and you know the Bible meant a lot to her and a man should marry a, a woman even to the phase of later on when the votes came in, um Brooke voted against the marriage, um policy yeah. that the government took out which I totally respect because mm. that that's what her beliefs in and who am I to say that she can't believe that way. So I totally respect it. The kids was, we made a deal with her to go, we will always be respectful around your kids. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, we've never been a couple that, it's like any couple, like if you're sitting in your house today, you're not like on the lounge, you know, smooshing away in front of all your nieces and nephews and the rest of it. Crystal and I are loving, like if we're all going down the beach, we're holding hands or doing whatever and and all the nieces and nephews know that Brooke and Crystal are in love um and we live together and they all come over and have sleepovers and the rest of it but Brooke just needed that time to adjust to it but I'll tell you Crystal and Brooke are best friends yeah.
0: so listen it generally never sometimes about the person it's more about the belief and I I too have that same faith belief as Mandy and yeah. probably Brooke um but it's 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 looking past. So like, are you going to get your belief get in the way of you loving someone no matter what? Yeah. And um and uh, you know like you're teaching me so I'm really appreciating it because it was it's a great question to ask. Like I I had always had this issue with people identifying as something. Yeah. Because I was given identity by people like you're this or you're yeah. that or you're naughty Nathan or you're this and it would create an identity and I always see it like people will say well. I'm heterosexual. And that's why I stopped saying homosexual, because there's a difference between identifying as a gay and just being a person who loves another person that's right. with the same sex. There's a Correct. and it's a difference. And so I've always struggled. There's always been this tension for me with I my main my main motive in life is to love people. Yeah. And 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 your actions are your actions and Whatever happens in the future, is everyone's accountable for their actions. Whatever happens, yeah. But my job is not to judge someone because I too will be judged. My job is to love someone with all the love that I have. And in meeting you and Crystal, I've just gone, oh man, these just guys are full of love. Like if there's one thing I would say, it's this: there's a love thing there that's just so shines so bright, you can't argue with it. So like, yeah, that's why like I've I've had that battle. And it's never really been a battle for me because, you know, people are way more important than sometimes stalwart beliefs, stalwart, yeah. strong, inflexible beliefs. And we've got to, it comes back to that. And I do believe that, that my faith is about love. Yes. That my faith is, is actually about the person that needs to really feel my love rather than the person that needs to feel my, my hey, here's my rule book. Yeah. You know, so thank you.
1: I just, I just happen to fall in love with a person.
0: Yeah, absolutely
1: beautiful. That that is a female. So
0: did you get married?
1: Like, we're engaged. We oh, haven't eng- got married. If if we start, every time we've sort of gone to plant that little seed. Unfortunately, life has has thrown at another hill to no. climb at us,
0: which we're getting to.
1: <laughs> um, but we we will get there. Yeah, we will. Uh, awesome. I don't think it changes much. And, and do you know what? Like when the whole, to be honest with you, when the whole government came out, and I, and I don't know how you voted and you don't have to tell me, but. I don't think I did. And, and do you know what? Like, well,
0: Am I getting in trouble now that I've said that? that I, I don't, <laughs> actually don't think I did But
1: Do you know what? But like. <laughs> <laughs> but I, it, it didn't really matter to us, Nathan. Like it didn't really matter whether it went through or not because at that, at that time. I, I hadn't been sick yet, right. And I remember when, like, they put out this petition, I was like, we don't care whether people vote yes or no. Like, if you all vote no, we're still going to go ahead and do it anyway. Yeah. Like, we, we're not inviting but It was you. just
0: changing a word so you could be called married rather than having a civil Correct. union. Correct. right?
1: But where it did kick in was later on where, you know, where it came to – um where it came to when you're in hospital and people were saying to you, have you got your will organised or who's your next of kin, is that when I first got cancer, Crystal actually wasn't recognised. She couldn't be. As to write down my partner because she wasn't recognised. So I can see the same-sex relationship wasn't recognised back then. So it was like, what? Yeah,
0: so I can see there's a. Positive outcome for that. So, yeah.
1: So it was like really, like I was kicking, I was kicking
0: a little bit for a while, going, I don't understand why it's so important, but understanding there's always legal ramifications. And if you're in love with a person like you are, they are your next, they are your life. Yeah. They're your other 50%. And if they can't be legally recognized to be able to be your next of kin or um, be the first person that's called. Then I think that's a really important step yeah. for humanity. Yeah. It really is. Um, it's not our job to judge. It's yeah. not our job to to put anyone in a box. It's not, you know, like I I don't like being locked in a box myself. I'm um, actually in a box that I've chosen. This this <laughs> little four <laughs> no, walls. It's a, a box fucking box. great box, actually. This one.
1: Uh,
0: <laughs> um, yeah. So I see that. And and, and again, teaching, learning. Thank you. You are. So you've you've got this. Beautiful man who's the father of your, Maxi? Yep. You've met the love of your life, Crystal. Yep. Um, so now you're even more blessed because – So blessed. Yeah. So now, and, and then you've started this new career as security. Yes. Security so and –
1: Being a security trainer. You
0: were trying to get back into the police force.
1: Yeah. So – and then I decided to – when I undertook the security course, the trainer said to me – Used to train in the New South Wales Police Service as a trainer. And I said, Yeah, I did. And then he said, I've actually got a job opening as a trainer. You're gonna get up tomorrow and you're gonna train. And I said, What? And he <laughs> said, I've got a job opening. The only way to work out whether you're a trainer or not is by you've either got it or you don't. Yeah, okay. So I said, Rightio. He handed me the manual and said, This is what you're gonna to train tomorrow. And I got up and then I loved that job. And I was I was a security trainer. Absolutely loved it. Um you know, a great passion for my job, a great passion for putting people into the working industry. Um, I'd done a bit of management with Corporate Protection Australia where I had 3,500 staff at, uh, in Brisbane working under me between wow. Brisbane and Gladstone, security staff. Um, you know, very much I suppose the breadwinner. If you want to, if you want to call it that, the
0: Zumba teacher, is the not, Zumba
1: teacher probably quite, yeah. turned in <laughs> probably to more of the mother okay. figure to oh, Maxi.
0: Oh great! Yeah.
1: Um, and just purely by design, where yeah. my job had um, financially, I was able to earn more, so I was definitely like the breadwinner. I thought
0: winner. you're you going to piss on people who are trying to do Zumba for a career.
1: Oh, I don't know. No? Like, they, going to make Have you ever done m- Zumba? No. Oh, you should do. Zumba. I only
0: just started doing yoga. I oh, train, I but I've only just started. Give yoga doing. A miss. Yeah.
1: Get into Zumba. Yeah,
0: I don't think I will really. What is uh, Zumba? What? I don't know. I don't
1: know. It's like this vibe dance that burns lots of calories and you have a load of fun, just shaking uh, your stuff.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm more sauna, ice bath person. <laughs> I'll leave the Zumba for you. <laughs> okay, but we've we've, yeah. we've 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 created Zumba's not a career.
1: So we created for a life. We're creating a life. Yeah, great. Together. Mm. Um, obviously moved in and and trying to set up Max in, in his life. Max has just started school. He's five. Clint's living um, and my brother and Brooke and and all their kids is
0: so Max was Max too young for the n- noticing the transition between you and you um, you, you, you with he the just, opposite he sex just, in sex? his
1: eyes. He would just he had mum and Crystal that loved him very much. And, and Crystal is still Crystal today. Okay. Oh, that's my Crystal. That's what he would say when he was little because when we would take him to school, kids would go, do you have two mums? And he goes, no, that's my mum and that's my Crystal. Like oh, that was so cool. his way. Um, we were all very, always very open and honest with him. And then he had dad's house and at dad's house he had dad and, and by this stage Ben had had a beautiful new partner, Tony. Um, and so there was Ben and Tony and then at mum's place there was mum and Crystal. So yeah. uh-huh. um yeah, we just, we never shied away from that. He always, we were very loving towards him. We were very loving towards each other and, and that's all he knew. And Kids, he, kids I don't can think, work it
0: out, can't they? Yeah, they can yeah. just go, no, it's, it's all okay if it's all, like it's not, yeah, kids can work it out. Yeah,
1: so he, um, as long as, I just think as long as they feel loved and, yeah, yeah. You, <laughs> and he just saw it as being so lucky. Yeah. You know, like mm. so, so, so lucky. I had a mum that would take him surfing and a crystal that would bake cupcakes and and if he climbed. Teach him Zumba. To, yeah, climb rock walls and do oh. push-ups with him and crystal's always been his crystal. And we'll, we'll, probably when he's 50, crystal will always be you're my crystal. Oh, well, that's you beautiful. Know? So, um, yeah, so we're living life so happily. We've got, you know, my mum. Like this massive acceptance in my family through aunties that probably are very old school that like absolutely love crystal So everything's everything's probably amazing. And what you would probably look at us from the outside to go, wow, like you guys are just so happy and and everything's great. And we go surfing at the alley, which is one of my favorite spots. And I come home and and I'd just taken my wedding off in the shower and. And as I take it off, I felt this really peace-sized love.
0: Hey, that's the end of that episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. As you can see, this story is not just about cancer, and we haven't even got into that yet. This story is a setup up for life. And there's so many great life lessons that Brooke is actually teaching us um, of how to actually be prepared for what we don't know is going to come around the corner. What we don't know, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And she prepared all her life for this through her dad's death, through her journey in the police, and through her journey in her um, sporting career. They were all a setup for what's coming next. And so let that be a lesson to all of us. I've learned so much and I'm so honoured to be sitting in this seat with Brooke next to me. Stay tuned for next week. It's going to be a banger.